0: But we also know that David, as we've talked about with our other characters, he blew it big time, mm-hmm. right? Twice. Bathsheba, right? Uh, numbering the people numbering as well. The people, yes. uh, but the, the, I mean, the- Which one was worse? <laughs> the issue of, of Bathsheba. Yeah. I mean, that was huge. And, uh, you know, he found himself in a place of what in the world did I do? But he thought, okay, I, I, all right, no one knows and we'll keep it hidden and whatever. But then- then Nathan comes and Ray, I love when you talk about this because you you kind of do a parallel between that and, or maybe a contrast between that and modern evangelism where it's, let's get the music out. And,
1: you know, yeah, David. You are the man. He didn't say, David, I've got a, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I'd like to share it with you. You've got a God vacuum back <laughs> him in your heart. What's that God to do with anything? David had violated the commandments. He coveted his neighbor's wife, lived a lie, stole his neighbor's wife, committed adultery, blasphemed the name of the Lord, hmm. committed murder. He, he, he skittled all the commandments. So what would Nathan talk about a wonderful plan? He had to... Uh, accuse him of his sin and bring it to the open. And you think, who is this? Is this the same guy that had hmm. faith in God, that feared God and killed Goliath, hmm. now committing adultery and committing murder and thinking that God isn't okay with it? Yeah. It says, the thing that David did displeased the Lord. That's 10 words. Hmm. And the thing that we do displeases the Lord. And we have to confront sinners with the same boldness that Nathan had and start on the natural. Yep. He told a story of a lamb and he was very gentle. And then he said,
2: you are the man.
1: I want you
0: guys to think of the most ginormous eyeballs possible sticking out of a 24-inch dark brown burlap
1: sack. I'm thinking of you.
0: That was me. <laughs> that was pretty much me for the first year of my life. Did you guys know that? No. What my happened? mom made a you vow. Were a
1: potato? <laughs> my mom
0: made a vow after <laughs> after three daughters.
1: That was actually good. Uh, uh, potatoes have eyes and a second potato. Right. Yeah, it's really good.
0: My mom made a vow after having three daughters. She had my brother and then three daughters. She made a vow that if God gave her a son, she would dress him up like St. Anthony for a whole year. And so that was me. For so, a whole year my for first a year my life, I was dressed <laughs> That, that explains a lot. Girl. That's why your eyes are so big. You couldn't <laughs> see through that. It's thing. because of that. Yeah, I was, I was told the story differently
2: up? from your brother. What? Frank told me. Oh no. To get you to dress up like Saint Anthony, he just had to bribe you with a little bit of chocolate.
0: <laughs> well, I probably wasn't willing. I mean, imagine, right? Burlap sacks like sackcloth That's and pitchy. ashes. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure they put stuff under it, but yeah, for a whole year, uh, that was me dressed up as Saint Anthony. Monk Weezy E. Who was Saint then? Friar T. Kettleswayne. What was that?
1: Who was Saint Anthony?
0: He was one of the saints.
2: I
3: don't know if I remember to tell you guys or not, but our dog got into the board games and ate an entire bag of Scrabble, the little Scrabble chips. No, 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 this is a joke. We had to take him to the vet. No word
0: yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, oh, no word Oscar, yet.
0: that was almost as good as the beekeeper one.
1: can you do the beekeeper one again or not?
0: It
3: was uh, oh, when your when your wife comes home dressed in white, full of sti- uh, bee stings, and smelling like honey. You know she's a keeper. <laughs> it's
1: a keeper. <laughs> so <laughs> good.
0: Yeah. So anyhow, uh, yeah, and I, I don't know if I told you guys, but we had a statue of Saint Anthony. Growing up, I was Catholic. That's why I'm. I'm I got to be honest. I have out. no idea who St. Anthony is. He's so just therefore, is this going to gonna be a long story? Very, none of us very, really... very long. Mark, I'm pouring my heart out about my monkery days. <laughs> is there, I want to tell is, you it's about it's the compassion I, for me. Easy uses these
2: as therapy oh, sessions. You no know <laughs> compassion for me? It's not the fact that I don't have compassion, but I, I really want to tell you about the time when I made a belt out of watches. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, seriously. It was a waste of time. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luke Zawain, for that.
1: Oh,
0: boy. oh, that's good. See, it's funny when you really think it's real, and I'm envisioning Martin with <laughs> a bunch of like gave. watches around the Your day. son gave me that joke. <laughs> did oh, he really? Yeah. That's my boy. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyhow, but no, we had a, we had a statue of St. Anthony in my house as a kid, uh-huh. and I thought it was St. Anthony, and he was holding a baby. I don't know if it was supposed to be the baby Jesus or whatever, but I thought that was God. I thought that was a statue of God. Wow. And so, you know, as a little Catholic kid, I'd look at it with reverence and like, it was, I mean, almost like an object of worship mm-hmm. for me. And so, Not almost. And little did but I know. It was, yeah. It was my homeboy,
1: St. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, that I was dressed
0: like. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I had a nephew who my sister made a vow that if God gave her a son, she wouldn't cut his hair for five years. She did it? Yeah, she did it. She's yeah. like this big fro. I mean, everybody was a <laughs> big <girl>. Lebanese fro. <laughs> no, it was actually, mine would have, mine hair doesn't grow out, it grows up. But his, <laughs> it grew out, man, and it was long. Um, I remember What's up with your families making these vows? It's all about vows, man. Yeah,
1: that's very vows. Middle Eastern, isn't it?
0: It's uh, Catholic. Yeah, yeah Catholic uh, combined with Middle Eastern stuff. Yeah. So
1: that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I vowed never to make a vow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no vows? No vows. Yeah. So, with my brother, my dad ate a toad. <laughs> Excuse me? Because you said it again? He vowed to eat a toad. No. No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> See? You I'm thought so it was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, French eat, they eat uh, frog's legs. I can imagine your dad eating yeah. a toad. Swallow a toad.
0: <laughs> All right, friends. Here is a comment. This is from Mick Glasgow. Wonder this wonder where is a he's real name. from. That's a real name. Good. Very helpful talk for new and old Christians is a subject. I really have grown while laughing along with these friends. Such a vast reality is the Lord God. We need each other to magnify our understanding. And this podcast does it topic by topic. And before you know it, you'll feel they are your true friends.
1: Well, that's so and nice. Heartwarming.
0: It really is. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, awesome. Mick Glasgow. We don't know if you live in Glasgow, but um, maybe you do. Thank you for writing in. And this podcast is brought to you by... Ray, this is probably one of the most ingenious inventions of your brilliant mind. The track sample pack.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't mean, yes, yes. Genius. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> I well. humbly. Um, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, it was a great thing to do. We've had it for many years. Just yeah. All the tracks in one pack and say, this is what we got. Yeah.
0: And so, friends, if you have been listening to the podcast and you think, I need to stop shirking my responsibility to be a witness for christ and you want to give out tracts this will give you a sampling
1: of what we that's have that's right leave your tracks in the cold snow of this world yes leave your tracks ah, behind see what, you see, what yeah. see what he did there
2: see what did there wisdom finally yeah so
0: make sure to check that out friends uh along with the evidence study bible at livingwaters.com <laughs> how'd you know mark you how did you just, know it just came to me yeah, yeah. You still do www. <laughs> you guys know <laughs> I do H-T-T-P. Oh, <laughs> forward, oh easy gosh. almost, mani- we easy oh almost manifested right there. Alright, friends, we're going to carry on with the the character studies. How many we're more of these are we going to do? Uh, <laughs>
3: and
1: <is> easy <he> quote <laughs> the verse that you're not more. allowed to quote? Uh, <laughs> I didn't think he was allowed to
3: quote I
0: wanted to give context. Like I would,
3: like like I would listen to Oscar anyway.
0: I wanted him to give context. Yeah, Look, the whole point in, I don't have it in front of me here, is that scripture tells us that these things were written, happened to them for our instruction, um, and that we can have hope through the comfort of the scriptures. Yeah, Ray.
1: We should have, because of the scriptures, the meekness of Moses, the faith of Abraham, perseverance of Job, courage of David, integrity of Joseph, and the wisdom of Solomon, and the boldness of Daniel. Boldness of Daniel? Yeah, he was very bold. <laughs> he bald. was very bald. <laughs> he, he wore, bald as a, baby. Yeah, no, he wore a wig. He wore a wig.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, That's good, Ray. Is that from you?
1: Yeah, I hadn't really finished. Oh. Um, And because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, these things can be a reality. Hmm. We're told to pray for wisdom and God will give liberally. We should have boldness because that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit, book of of Acts. So all these things are virtues that can manifest within the Christian when we, we don't need to sell ourselves short of the gifts of God. Yeah. Amen. Did you say short, right? Short. Short. Yes, all of Mm. sin comes short.
0: We know that. Yes. Well, friends, today we're going to jump into the life of King David, Dawood. Can you guys say Dawood? Dawood. Dawood. (laughs) Dawood. Dawood. He was from Israel. So we did uh, did Musa, (laughs) Moses in Arabic. And today we're doing uh, Malak Dawood, King David. You guys are all getting Arabic lessons, whether you want them or not. And David is... uh, Man, David was, he uh, was a man. Yeah, he was <laughs> true. He was exactly. a man. He really was an enigma in terms of how he rose to prominence, how he reacted in different situations yes. when he could have gloried in himself, and how even in his sin after his sin, God still called him a man after God's own heart. That's extraordinary to me. And and it gives me it does give me hope. Right. You know?
1: So, what do you think the virtue was that God was, if I can say, thinking of when he called David a man after God's own heart?
3: Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non believer that crosses your path? That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck.
0: I think it was a a genuine love that, that David really had for the Lord, you know? I think that it's easy for us as Christians to see other believers when they struggle or stumble or fall and to have a, a really ungodly heart and attitude toward them. Hmm. And of course, we're grieved, you know, that, that, that sin happens and it shouldn't. Sometimes it is evidence of a false conversion. There's no hmm. question. But I believe there are genuinely godly men that have, like David, uh, erred and fallen and sinned, Thank, yeah. you know? Uh, like, do you know I was thinking of? If you
1: look at the life of David, he knew how to extend mercy, yeah, and, and forgiveness. Think what he did with Saul. He was justified to kill yeah. Saul because kill, yeah, right. you know, Saul was trying to kill him, and then he showed mercy. And yeah. that's what we see in Christ. What we see in the character of God.
2: Yeah. I just want to go ahead. No, I'll go next. Uh, I want to no. point
3: out before we get into the nuance of David's life that one of the things that is so compelling to me. As we explore, especially in this day and age, what it means to be masculine, to be a man, David is a wonderful example of that, And that he was both, but he also, he also displays a kind of masculinity that we don't really see in masculinity today, because he was both a warrior, a king, and a poet. Right, he was a guy who. Psalmist of
0: Israel, right? Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. He was a guy who uh, stood up for what was right, who was unafraid of doing God's will, but he was also gentle in spirit. He was a poet. He was a
0: dancer, even (laughs) to his own foolishness. Dave, like, wait, dance like David. Dance. It's not a song. You don't have to sing it. No. Yeah. Go go, ahead. Destroy.
1: Destroy our audience.
2: (laughs) Something like
0: that. Anyway, go ahead, Mark.
2: No, I I like where you're going. I'll so I'll just add to it. What sets David apart? I mean, he was a shepherd. He literally was a shepherd. He took care of sheep and he cared uh, for the sheep. Uh, He was a poet. You know, he was a uh, a song writer. He wasn't writing things necessarily to be seen and read and sang by people to come necessarily. He it was an outflow of the overflow of his heart, mm. in which he expressed all sorts of uh, admirations and fears and trepidations and joys and triumphs that that it all encompasses. So we get a very clear glimpse into this man who. Became king to lead, so you would say, "Well, you know, I've sinned, I've blown it. You know, how come I'm not a man after God's own heart? You know, perhaps." And yeah. well, how much poetry are you writing? Mm-hmm. How how much are you going out of your way to take care of people that are in need? In fact, I know of one person. You know, as strange perhaps as, as it may be, but it's it's a regular practice of his life, and it's a place of worship uh, that he does. He he will write poetry, and he won't share it with anyone that he'll write the poetry just for. The Lord. And, and then when he's <laughs> when he's done, he'll throw it in the trash. Wow, or he'll write a song, you know, to the Lord. He won't allow anybody to hear the song and he just throws it in the trash. The Shuma. Wow. <laughs> and, then, and then I and then I turned twenty yeah. but no, I mean the, the idea of worship can be very intimate. Yeah, absolutely, Right? It, it's God takes it very personal. You remember when David's wife, uh Abigail, Michael and Abigail, Michelle? Yeah, Abigail? No, uh, Michael. 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 Yeah, it was. Michael uh, made fun of David because he was dancing, dancing in his ephod, right? Mm. Dancing the streets. Of one Bruce of the bass fellows. She <laughs> said, <Yeah. laughs> "You guys are crazy." He said, "I'll be a fool for the Lord." Yeah, and and he he cursed, if you would, you know, his own wife, not recognizing the worship, not recognizing uh, the place and the proper place of worship before god she she
0: had no children (laughs) she would have no children that's
2: how important worship is yeah well
3: david i mean i'm really thankful for his poetry uh one of the poems that he wrote is one of the most common words that that end up in my personal prayers which is restore to me the joy of your salvation O lord Mm -hmm. from psalm Mm -hmm. 51 i pray that regularly that i would just never lose that first that first recognition that i am saved that would never grow dull or boring to me that mm. it would be just as sweet it was, as it was the day I realized that I was a Christian. It's yeah. funny
2: you say that. I mean, I just listened to a sermon today from John Piper on that very text. Really? Yeah, I love it's it. Somebody good. great. No. Yeah, and you know, you think of
0: all that David went through. I mean, from the very beginning, right? He was, I mean, his dad didn't even consider him, <laughs> right? I mean, Samuel comes and he says, bring out your bring out your kids, you know, and and it's like, not him, not him, not him. Is that all you got? And he's like, oh, well, there's David. <laughs> he's out looking at. Isn't that a consolation
1: easy- that? all the tall guys, the good-looking guys, got totally overlooked by God because God looks on the heart. Yeah. and uh, Sounds I remember, personal, right? <clears> There's <throat> it's, it's, it's a little bit of bitterness in here. Yeah. But I remember when I was in primary school, they'd choose the guys they wanted to play sport with, and they'd always choose the big, strongest first, and guess who was last or second to <laughs> last to be chosen to go on a particular team yeah. because they didn't have the strength or the size. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, that doesn't matter. God yeah. looks upon the heart, and that's just such a concept. Yeah, and
0: that's what Samuel said, right? I mean, it, we often quote that verse, but but that verse was God saying, hey, you know, God looks at the heart. Yeah. Um, it doesn't see as man sees. And, and it's, uh, a,
3: it's a theme that God de- does all throughout Scripture, from David to Peter, who's, you know, a nobody blue-collar farmer, to... Uh, all the way straight through, even to us, to this day. Yeah.
0: ain't that right, Ray?
3: Right? Oh, God, God,
1: <laughs> God, delights in using nobodies.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you, you think about what God was doing in David. In fact, it references that in the Word where it talks about how God took him from shepherding sheep, and basically, in so many words, that's what he was doing with the people of God. Mm-hmm. And so he prepared him for that in that time. You know, and it's amazing to to see the parallel of that. I mean, you, you see Psalm 23, right? Mm-hmm. That David gave us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever
1: Boy, I that's mean, so beautiful I mean, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies you yeah. imagine sitting eating breakfast And all your enemies around you just don't care Because God's with you You're just sitting
0: you know? there, eat, right? Eating yeah. is indicative of being relaxed and enjoying yeah, cause yourself Because you can't
1: eat when you're stressed You know, <laughs> right. and I'm not stressed All the enemies are around there firing arrows, I'm just
0: eating poached egg uh, or winter stencil? No, oh, not definitely not that. BJ's? No, tabuli <laughs> would have yes. been for sure.
3: Uh, you know, I've actually done a deep study because there's several places in which that theme, uh, that vision of, of somehow eating, feasting, celebrating some heavenly moment in the presence of enemies, that's an idiom. It's a representation that one day, and that your enemies will see how, even though they tried to thwart you, they tried to persecute you, they tried to do something towards you, they will see how God ultimately used that for good. And it's almost like in some way in hell, they'll know that all of their plans, though they may have gone right here on earth, they ultimately only went right in serving God's ultimate plan for his people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and so then then we we start seeing... David demonstrating who God had really made him. You know, I mean, we go to 1 Samuel 17, and we know what's going on, right, with the Philistines and the children of Israel and uh, Goliath. And I love what David says to Saul in verse 32. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. There's Mm. such a casual air about that, you know? And to me, that speaks of confidence in the Lord, Right, and and we see what David ends up saying to him. But it's like this: Hey, that, that look, let, let no one lose heart over this guy. You know, I'll go fight him. I'll take care of this. And he like the least likely one to do it. Now, you know, there's I later he was described to Saul as as a man of war, a warrior, and it's likely that maybe David would go fight but intermittently, you know, not that he was he, he you know didn't have any experience or anything of that sort, but it was more intermittent rather than his brothers that was their main thing, you know. But in any case, it's that confidence in the Lord. And, uh, and then he talks about how he had kept his father's sheep and there was the lion and the bear and how he, you know, he had, he had taken care of them or the lion, uh, yeah, lion and the bear. And so then he goes and, you know, you think about what he says
2: boldness and courage in the yes. Lord. Let me, let me talk about that for just yeah, a second. I, I love the fact that you use the word confidence. And we, we've mentioned it time and time again, one with God will always be the majority. The confidence of David. I was reading this passage today out of 1 Samuel. And yeah. In 1 Samuel 17, it says that David, he ran to the battle lines to be with his brothers. Mm-hmm. And then David ran towards Goliath in 1 Samuel 17:48. And when Goliath was hit, he ran towards Goliath, and he took Goliath's sword and he knocks off his head. And when all of this running, all of this confidence takes place, when it's all through, what hap, what ends up happening is the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turn and then they ran away. <laughs> wow. They uh, were
1: supposed to surrender, weren't they? Wasn't that the original agreement? <laughs> or they Who would be wins? their servants,
0: but yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so good. And, and really that the real clencher is what David said in, in the final verse of his dialogue with Goliath, he says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into
1: our hands. Boy, I, want, I wonder if he doubted, like in his mind, does he say, okay, here's the sling I never miss? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's going to happen now? I'm going to be fed to the birds. Yeah. I think it's so, so wonderful that David picked up five smooth stones, and he chose one. Why did he pick up five? Well, look at the, uh, Ephesians 4.11 the gifts given to the church, first apostles, prophets, evangelists, te- pastors, and teachers, the five gifts. Mm. There's only one among them that is, takes down the enemy, and that's yeah. the evangelist. Right. And the rest are for the church. The evangelist or evangelism is the key to winning this nation to Christ. And it's often forgotten within the local church, that so there's a smooth stone within the local church. And a, it's grievous, and you guys know how common this is. You go to a big church, of a couple of thousand people, and say, where's your evangelism team? There's five people that go out on a Friday night. And they're not exalted as they should be. They're not seen as being smooth stones that can uh, overcome the enemy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you often say, Ray, go to a Christian bookstore, ask for the evangelism section, <laughs> pull out your magnifying glass. You know? <laughs> That's
1: why I forgot that I said that. Yeah. That's funny.
0: Uh, and it's funny, and it's sad at the same time because... It's indicative of where the church is at. You well, know? I
1: remember we, we've learned when we have a conference not to put the word evangelism in the conference yeah. because no one will show any interest.
0: Yeah, we used to call our conferences transformed how to get on fire for God. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you say evangelism, whoop. Like, no. Yeah, no one will show up. And that's, like I said, it's sad and it's tragic. But man, for, for men of valor like David to mm-hmm. have that heart in, in doing exploits for the Lord, you yeah. know, to, to be a, a George Whitfield. Uh, you know, to to be a John Wesley. Ray, obviously, you you were influenced by their lives and and you've been that in our generation, despite what we feel. Because even you, Ray, talk about Nervousness that you you feel still to this day. Of oh, preaching. every day. This yeah. morning I
1: was, went around to the local college. Before I went, I felt a little sick. Yeah, just with nervousness and just didn't want to go. But I go because I'm not my own. I bought with a price. <clears throat> I love it. I don't know if we're going to touch on it with the three mighty men. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, David uh, was in battle and he looked down and the enemy uh, possessed uh, Bethlehem and he says, "Oh, for a drink from the well of Bethlehem." He yeah. just want a drink of cool, clear water from that well and the bible says three mighty men broke through to the garrisons and they brought back that water for david and what david did he says this is the blood of men i'm not gonna Hmm. i gonna and he poured it out as a drink offering to the lord did you know that hell's best kept secret was originally called poured out for a thirsty world i didn't know that really really? yeah yeah and it was on that whole thing that if we have seen the sacrifice of the cross there is no way any christian can live a life of Mm self-indulgence we should pour our lives out as a drink offering to the lord and so it was called that. And I remember the publishers said, we want to change the name. I says, okay, what do you got? I, I suggest Hell's Best Kept Secret. They said, no, that's too heavy. And they suggested uh, Watering Down the Gospel. And that made <laughs> me feel sick. Really? And I gave them 70 alternative titles to Watering Down the Gospel. And after three months, they wrote back and said, hey, we like Hell's Best Kept Secret. <laughs> and I thought, I'm so pleased they did because it's got a little bit of punch to it. That's mm. good.
3: You know, I just... I want to hone in here to anybody who might be feeling convicted that they haven't they haven't acted with their lives in the same way that evangelists would, where they're, they're out there proclaiming the gospel. We mentioned Psalm 51 earlier. I love Psalm 51 and the rhythm in which he writes that poem, because at the beginning of that poem, he recognizes it's in three phases. Ultimately first he recognizes the sin and he, and he says, and you think about it, the sin that he commits both against Bathsheba uh, and against the entire family But when he confesses his sins to the Lord, he says against you and you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in my sight. Before anybody else, before what I've done with them or to them, I have sinned against my God. It's full, honest, transparent, not excuse making confession. And then the second part is the prayer forgiveness, is recognizing that he is forgiven. We mentioned already, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make me white as snow. He reflects on the gospel that ultimately he's righteous, that ultimately he's a man after God's own heart only because what God has done in his own life. And then the third section, the often forgotten and not preached on section, is the evangelism section. He goes from confession and repentance to recognizing his salvation to having. How does he celebrate? He says, restore to me the beauty that you've given me on my lips. Let me go and tell Zion about your goodness. So in other words, the last third of that poem of, of repentance is a, is a, a poem of, of evangelism, of going out and telling the world of the restored salvation that he has in God. And I tell people all the time, the thing that has to motivate us towards evangelism Certainly we should do it simply because God tells us to do it. And for no other reason, if, if, if everything else falls short, it's still a command. And I think that's what you're saying. Even when you don't feel it, it's still a command. At the same time, when we see when David goes and has this new vigor for evangelism, it's like he's so filled with joy that he can't help but allow it to overflow in his life. And I think I've said it here on this podcast before. That's the way we've been built. That's the way we're created. When we get so filled with joy over something, when you go to a great new restaurant, the first thing you want to do is tell somebody, man, you got to try these tacos. When you watch a you know a fun new movie, you're like, oh man, you guys got to go see this movie. When you read a great book, you're like, you guys, you need to check out this book. An album recently came out that I love and I text like three or four friends, you guys have to be listening to this record. You see, when you are so filled with excitement and joy over something, when something brings you that much joy, it's in your nature to allow that joy to overflow into other people's lives. When we focus in on the joy of our salvation, like David did, our lives should naturally progress to the next step of proclaiming that joy, of
0: sharing that joy with other people.
3: Psalm 23
1: you know? My cup runneth over. Mm, amen.
0: Yeah. And you know, you think of what it says in Ephesians 3 that you may know it as a width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's where meditation comes into play. You know, we know a lot of truths that initially impacted our lives but just like the disciples knew that Jesus was able to feed multitudes, which he did before them on two occasions, thousands of people fed, baskets of leftovers picked up, and then they get into the boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, and they only brought one loaf of bread. Jesus starts to talk about the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees, and they're like, oh no, we don't have bread. You know? So you could see it, you could know it at one point, you could be in awe of it, impacted by it, and then being right at our very best, like scripture says, men at their very best are but vapor, yep. being made of dust in our frame, we forget. That's why meditation is important. We have to remember what is a width, length, depth, and height, the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. We will be filled with all the fullness of God. Remembering the goodness of the Lord, meditating on the gospel, the truth. I mean, the way that David responded to Goliath, and remember, he didn't have time to prepare. This is oftentimes when you see who someone really is. No prep. No polish, no like Mark with the podcast. Exactly. (laughs) No time to figure out what you're gonna say. And then on the spot, it flowed out of him. You know, you come to me with your so spear and javelin. I'm I'm coming to you in the name of the, the the God of Israel. And and you know, just that courage, God, God will deliver us. It's not about, you know, what people put their trust in. We put our trust in him. It was flowing out of a a man who was obviously meditating as he was out there in the pastures with those mm, sheep. Well, wow. You know? Good. Yeah. And
2: that's often the, the picture that we see in Mark chapter nine, we have uh, the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus comes down and comes across the demon possessed person and the disciples say, Hey, we couldn't cast out the demons. What's up? Hmm. And Jesus says, well, this kind only goes out through prayer and fasting. No, Jesus was not saying, go pray, go fast, come back. No, you should have been prayed up you should have been fasted up. We are always preparing for the battle. You do not prepare for a battle while you're in the battle. You are preparing for the battle before the battle ever comes. Have you guys ever meditated on the very first word of Revelation 21-8 where it talks about uh, there'll be no cowards Hmm. in heaven? How interesting is that, that the army of God are bold, they're as bold as a lion, Mm -hmm. and this doesn't come through sitting idly by or playing video games and watching television. It is continually being inside the refiner's fire, (laughs) being inside the battle, (laughs) being uh, inside of a situation where things seem to be overflowing in a way that is difficult, but we can mock the tumultuous storm when our eyes are on the Lord.
0: Yeah. You know, Mark, it's interesting you cited that. That passage, I mean, it, it actually says the cowardly, unbelieving, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burn, which burns with fire and brimstone. I mean, it, it it's like you know those things where which one doesn't belong as yeah. a kid on the would, it's like coward just, and uh, you know unbelieving, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, coward in there. You know, it's big and and I think cowardice is indicative of looking at ourselves and taking our eyes off the Lord and not recognizing whose we are and who we are and him who is in us. We got to do like 10 parts on each of these. Is there, we, we've hardly covered anything on David, but, but I want to hit a few things. Da, Ray, David's heart of integrity and trust in the Lord with Saul, right? I mean, Saul is hunting him. He, he's he's trying to kill him at every turn. And he had those two opportunities. Remember when he was in the cave and, and he said he cut the edge of his robe. Yes. His heart later condemned him that he even did that. Yeah. And then... And then, you know, the other time when they were in the camp and, you know, they went in, they took, they took the spear and the, the jug of water, whatever. He says to them, are, are you hunting me? Like, a, what am I, a flea, a dead dog, you know? like, mm. but, but his heart that he could have killed Saul, but he didn't want to touch the Lord's anointed. And after Saul was, you know, was killed, along with Jonathan, of course, he mourned. Yeah. And, and, he, and he, he called for national mourning with God's people. I mean,
1: what is that? Yeah, it really shows the heart of David and how much I fall short, of what I should be in Christ. Because when he started mourning for Absalom, hmm. when I read that, I'm what's oh, wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. David, get it together. You know, this, this this was an evil guy, but it was his son. Yeah, And so it shows the heart of David and, and it shows a forefigure of, the, of what Jesus was like. You
0: know, look at the contrast, right? I, I just thought of that. Saul was about to kill his son, Jonathan right. because he ate some honey Yes. Not knowing that his father, you I know, I mean, I love honey. You touch my honey, <laughs> <laughs> Sova. He was going to kill his son. Surely you'll be put to death today, John, because he didn't. He didn't even know about it, and he went and he, you know, he decimated a, a troop of the enemy, and and he was still going to. It's kill like
1: him. the idiocy of Herod. Right. Know, he, he made a vow before the, his guests and he didn't want to turn back on it. Yeah. So he was going to, he had John the Baptist murdered. Right. And Saul was a madman. He was yeah. crazy but, he was and demon possessed. Well, what's
0: crazy is this is after Saul's disobedience to God himself yeah. when he didn't follow the command of the Lord and God told him, hey, th- it's over for you, right? But still, he, it, like, there's a hypocrisy there too. But in contrast to that, David, his son, is trying to kill him and he says, be, treat him kindly, you know, when he yeah. sends his troops out and then he dies and he's mourning over him, You know, my son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, <laughs> you know, they had to tell him, hey, you better knock this off or you should, everyone's going to turn against you. Like the people are acting ashamed because, you know, he was your enemy as well. So
3: yeah. you, you guys reminded me of the first time I was reading through the Bible as a Christian uh, and I came across the story of David and Mephibosheth. And You're when a Christian? I, Oscar? Huh? You're a Christian? It turns out <laughs> I came across that, that, that phrase, what is your servant? that you should take an interest in a dead dog like me. I remember the first Mm. time I read that, I started crying. This is
1: Mephibosheth.
3: Mephibosheth, yeah. Because I I think I I realized in the sight of God's goodness, like for him to offer grace, shouldn't our response- Shouldn't you set up the story a little? Be the same? Well, you were kind of setting it up earlier.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, again, this, and I, I have it noted here. This is a demonstration of David's loyalty too, because him and Jonathan had made a covenant, mm-hmm. and David vowed that he, you know, he would he would treat his descendants kindly and, and
1: keep your word.
0: Yeah, and and he kept his word. I mean, and Mephibosh- Mephibosheth was, I mean, he was handicapped, right? You know, he, he, was was dropped. He, was, he was he was lame. Yeah, he was looked down upon in his own family. Yeah, and so now he's
3: he is the the the, the last descendant of David's enemy. And they find him and they bring him into the courts. And he had every right. Mephibosheth had every right to think that he was going to be killed, that he was going to be slain because he's the last representative of David's enemy. And he's the least of them all. You know, to be a handicap back then would be to be Mm. discarded. You shouldn't even be alive. You were a disgrace. So not only is he had nobody to his own family, but now he's the only representation left of that family. He comes before David's court expecting to be exiled, to be tortured to be turned into whatever. And David says to him, no, not not only will not a a hand be laid on your head, but you will be treated like my own family. You will eat in my (laughs) courts. You will dine with me. You will inherit my kingdom. And his response is, what is your servant that you would be concerned for such a dead dog as me, (laughs) which is such a, beautiful picture of our recognition of, right. of the grace of God
0: bestowed upon us when we understand the inheritance that we receive. You know, what, That's so good, Oscar. What, mm-hmm. what, Mark, what a contrast that is to our day and age where people will sign contracts, right? And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it is publicly known that they made certain vows and agreements, and then they, they'll just willfully break them. David, I, I would assume no one knew about this <laughs> covenant between him and Jonathan, right? Right but yet he made it in his heart you know it's like with daniel he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank it's a heart thing right yeah
2: Ray, ray's often said when he hears a christian say i promise mm. um, or maybe an equivalent i swear to yeah. do something you know that person can't be trusted yeah. because our yes is yes and our no is no Mm -hmm. It is what it is. And that's not to say that we don't make mistakes because we don't remember certain things. I said, I was going to do something. Well, that's why you write it down, right? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, listen, of all people, Christians should uh, not just have integrity and do the things that they're going to do, but they should go above and beyond uh, the call of duty.
0: Ray, I mean, you kind of jokingly said it earlier, but got to keep your word. You always say that. Speak to that for a moment.
1: Yeah, Psalm 15 says, uh, a righteous man will swear to his own hurt, KJV. It means he will, if he gives his word, he'll keep it, even if it's to his own hurt. Yeah. And I think I mentioned before that I said casually to uh Christian leader that he asked me if I go to India and I said sure. <laughs> and point, I was I, there. I did. I regret that when I thought <laughs> about it. So we had to. We had to. He said, "I want you to come to India to speak." And that was what twenty six hours on a plane. Oh man! Each way. Yeah. And uh, but uh, it's important to keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, you do it.
0: Yeah, isn't it wonderful to to know someone's character uh, is so committed to the Lord that you know if they tell you something, they're going to do it.
1: That's how I feel about you guys, the whole team at the ministry. Mm. I say, could you guys do this? And I don't have to even think about it again because I know it's going to get done. Yeah. That's wonderful.
0: All right. So let's shift here. We we have just a little bit of time (laughs) left, but we also know that David, as we've talked about with our other characters, he blew it big time, Mm -hmm. right? Bathsheba, right? Uh, Numbering the people as well. Uh, But the the I mean the which one was worse <laughs> the issue of of Bathsheba, yeah, I mean that was huge, and you know he found himself in a place of what in the world did I do, but he thought, okay i, I all right, no one knows, and we'll keep it hidden and whatever, but then then Nathan comes, and Ray, I love when you talk about this because you you kind of. Do a parallel between that and, or maybe a contrast between that and modern evangelism, where it's, let's get the music out.
1: And, you know, yeah, David. And
0: you say, are the man.
1: He didn't say, David, I've got, a, God has a wonderful plan for your life. I'd like to share it with you. You've got a God <laughs> shave I and mean, you had it. What's that got to do with anything? David had violated the commandments. He coveted his neighbor's wife, lived a lie, stole his neighbor's wife, committed adultery, blasphemed the name of the Lord, Mm. committed murder. He he, he skittled all the commandments. So what would Nathan talk about a wonderful plan? He had to uh, accuse him of his sin and bring it to the open. And you think, who is this? Is this the same guy that had Hmm. faith in God, that feared God and killed Goliath, now committing adultery and committing murder and thinking that God isn't okay with it. Yeah. It says the thing that David did displeased the Lord. That's 10 words. Mm. And the thing that we do displeases the Lord. And we have to confront sinners with the same boldness that Nathan had and start on the natural. Yep. He told a story of a lamb and he was very gentle. And then he said, you are the man. And it's what Paul is doing in Romans chapter two. You who say you shall not steal, do you steal? You say you shall not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? He was personalizing sin. And making them own it. And that's what we've got to do when we share the gospel. Make people own their sin. Because whoever covers his sins shall not prosper. Whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. So I am amazed at how sinners so often trivialize sin. How many lies he told? Just tiny little lies, mm. little fibs and white lies. Ever stolen something? Yeah, tiny piece of candy from a little store down the road. Ever committed adultery? Just with a little lady. <laughs> 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 Trivializing it—it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. And uh, and so we've got to bring it out now and we've got to hit the bush. So you can't hide behind that because it's not going to work on judgment day.
0: Yeah. You know, we do trivialize, and it, it's seen in the way we change. Terminology and labels for sin yeah. you know it 's not adultery it 's an affair yeah. um, you know yeah mistake, a mistake.
3: nowadays it 's not even an affair it 's following your heart
0: uh, exactly <laughs> there there's they are using air quotes
3: for those who can 't see there are uh, there were Christian authors uh, bloggers in the blogosphere. Who uh, praised the idea of following your own ha- following your own heart? And those bloggers later on end up divorcing. This one particular divorced her husband and is now in a lesbian relationship. And she does not apologize for it. It was following her heart. It was being true to herself. So it's not even an yeah. affair.
0: It's like what's right nowadays. I know. And again, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but you you see how the world does it, right? Where in things that are wicked, they they try to find a virtue. To make themselves feel like they're actually great people. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can go, you can go to the the person living in sexual immorality, oh, but we have protected sex, right? You can go to the person who's homosexual, oh, but we're monogamous, right? You can go to the heroin addict, oh, but I, I never share needles, you know? Finding virtue vice, mm-hmm. uh, and vice, and that that's is kind the of what addicts, eh? say. <laughs> oh, Vloglova <buckle laughs> addict, he gets no more because I cut you <laughs> off. But um, Guys, I, I want to touch on this w- with the remaining time we have. I believe that it's possible for someone who sins big time to still be a person of integrity. And here's, here's why I say that, right? Obviously, the day that we got saved, God could have instantly sanctified us completely, right? Fully made us perfect. But scripture says, by one offering, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Positionally, we're perfect in Christ. We have his perfect righteousness. But God chooses through a process of sanctification to change us from glory to glory, to conform us into the image of Christ. Well, part of that is our our failure, our weakness, our sin, right, we, we, we sin. But I think that God has given us a, a principle of integrity by which to deal with failure mm-hmm. and it's called genuine repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see with David in Psalm 51. I mean, he, he's, he's not messing around. I mean, you talked about it earlier, Oscar, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He called it what it was. Mm-hmm. And so a person who has integrity, when they violate integrity, they can maintain integrity by using God's method of integrity for failure, and that's genuine repentance. Right.
2: Yeah. I love the... Beautiful. Oh, Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. No, no. Oh, go Mark, I, I to so, say uh, Scott Adams, he's the creator of Dilbert, uh, the cartoon. Dilbert? Dilbert. Dilbert, oh, no, Never a cartoon. Heard it. no. a he's funny a funny-looking fellow. Very famous. Yeah. You've heard he's of Dilbert a, Ray?
1: Of course. What? Yes. All right. Yeah. Raise yeah, hip and weird. Anybody, that's <laughs> yeah. anybody.
2: Dilbert's my homie. heard sort of him. Yeah, <laughs> Dilbert. He said, I invite failure in, and then I embrace it, and then I pick its pocket. <laughs> and what he meant by that that's is good. failure is only failure when we stay down. But if we learn our lesson from it, we can get up and move on. Yeah. Right. And so, allow that failure, whatever that is, the thing that held you back, the thing that pushed you down, the thing that lost, made you lose your job, or uh, made you um, lose integrity in the in the eyes of your family, whatever it is, to to get back up. Right. I mean, by virtue of the fact that you're still alive, you're, God's not done with you. So there's no reason to give up or let up or shut up until you've prayed up and preached up for the cause of Christ. Mm. That listen, I will now be more humble. Because I've unfortunately done those things that brought shame and blasphemy towards uh, God. Unfortunately, yeah. Now more pliable and and more usable. Yeah. And I, I I may not be liked by the people, but I'll tell you, I, I'm now a a tool in the master carpenter's hand. Yeah. that that's ready to be used. I like mm-hmm. you, Mark. Yeah. Thank you. you I know, can't say
3: it for these guys, <laughs> but let me just say because uh, you use the word integrity, and yeah. and I love that you use that word because. I think we've maybe personally talked about it before or maybe on this podcast, but integrity is not, I I don't sin. Mm -hmm. Integrity is when my sin is shown to me by the Holy Spirit, I want to bring that to light. I want God to put that thing to death, which is exactly what you're talking about, Mark. And, and, and the temptation, to be honest, the temptation, at least for me, I think most people, is sometimes we see something real small in our lives that the Lord reveals to us. And we think, oh man, I'm at, I, that's sin. I'm going to repent from the Lord from that. And maybe I don't need to bring it up and apologize to other people because they probably didn't even realize that I was sinning in that moment. Hmm. And when we do that, we tend to keep that sin in the darkness. But a part of confession, a part of repentance is bring it to light, is going to other people and say, hey, you know what? I think I, think I was a, a little short in this area. I think I was a little rude to you here. I think, mm. I, think I messed up, and I'm yeah. sorry. Can I ask, can I have your forgiveness? To bring it to light. It's like your kidney stones. They got to they blast those things away before something terrible happens. Ray just got <laughs> they, extraordinarily they, <laughs> depressed
1: when you reminded they, him of that. They couldn't blast mine.
0: Oh, well, The Lord could blast your yeah. yeah, I wish though, you Ray. had. They had to go in and get it. You know, guys, I, I want to say something that may be a bit unorthodox and unexpected, but I really have to say that we're used to it. <laughs> no, the people that I oftentimes have massive respect for are those that have, that, that have fallen into serious sin. And I'm talking about genuine believers. Again, I, I said earlier, there are false converts and it's evidenced, right, by their sin. But, but these almost demonstrate the genuineness of their conversion because to me, I so respect the person, let's say the pastor who, who fell into adultery, that when I see them pressing on in the Lord, when I see them continuing to, to humbly lead their family and to 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 lead them in God's word and to continue to to remain with their family to continue to try to serve in the church not in a pastoral role but however they can to serve people after genuine repentance right they they haven't made excuses they they that i mean that takes so much Determination to keep pressing forward because mm-hmm. it shows they weren't in it for you know the glory and all that. They still love God. They blew it. They messed up, and and again I think like it's easy for us to say, well you know David different. No, what do you mean David different? If anything, he he's the last person that should have done something like this, mm-hmm. you know. But he did. He sinned, and I think of in Corinthians. Where in First Corinthians, Paul highlights the man that had, you know, done that heinous sin with his his stepmom, right? He he, he was immoral with his stepmom, his father's wife, and he talks to them about removing such a person. But then in 2 Corinthians, it, it appears after the man had repented, he talked about restoring such a one, reaffirming their love, lest be he be swallowed up by too much sorrow. And I just love that. And and I just want to speak to anyone listening right now who has committed radical sin. You're not an outcast to the Lord. There, there is no condition on the redemption that has come through Christ for you, mm-hmm. and um, and the Lord wants you to come back into His arms. He wants you to come like the prodigal son and to let Him restore you and to rejoice over your repentance. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I just want to encourage you in that. and those that have strayed to turn to the Lord, and those that that have had that attitude of self righteousness I love the word supercilious you know it's this, this self-righteous kind of uh, perspective man that that's a scary place to be and you think of as I mentioned earlier in another podcast Galatians 6 one rather if any, if any man is overtaken any trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted mm. and I think this is lacking in the body you know we talk about people that have fallen. And we need to repent. We have this self-righteous attitude. Man, God have mercy on us mm. for that. We need to love those people. We need to embrace them, bring them back, and not treat them like second-class citizens. Sure, there are ramifications, right? A pastor who commits adultery, I don't think he should serve as a pastor anymore. Obviously, someone that stole, they shouldn't be the treasurer of the church ever again, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just saying there are consequences, but in terms of our love for them and yeah. their... their validity in the body of Christ, that, that needs to be real and genuine. And if and if the Lord has pricked your heart, maybe there's not big sins in your
3: life, it, that, that's equally as applicable to all those little, quote unquote, small sins. Yeah. Maybe it's not adultery, but maybe it's looking or pornography. Maybe it's not stealing, but it's envy and boasting mm. and things of that nature. Yeah. Continual, I love one of the early mocking things that Christians were called were repenters. People would laugh, yeah. like, look, those guys, they're repenters. They're always <laughs> repenting. And I think it was that, like, Luther that wore that with a badge of honor. Like, mm. yeah, I am a repenter. Anytime mm. the Lord reveals the smallest of sins, I wanna bring that to light and repent. Yeah. And so we can do that with those, with those secret sins before they give birth to something truly detrimental. Amen.
0: That's good. All right, friends. I don't feel like saying all this stuff. I should say thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the living waters. Hey, Hey, get this podcast. Oh, where (laughs) we still have no idea. What we're doing. (laughs) Chicken dinner! I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters
2: podcast.
0: We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline. California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike And Dave from Will Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.